welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in lighthearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. Welcome back, Casey, to another episode of Conversations About Life. Uh, We are currently in a series, Living a Godly Life, and this week's scripture is 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6 to 13. I'm joined here by Josh and Mark, um, and I'm Caleb, correct? (laughs) How are we going? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah? Very good. Nice. Or Josh just serenaded us with a little bit of his hip hop, so I'm doing <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He, Not to be repeated. Not to be. Or maybe next week you can bring your turntable in and <laughs> show us a few moves. Yes, please. <laughs> so, this week's question. I don't like saying it like that. It seems very formal. It's said another way. Though. This is the most informal part of us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Give us next week's question. Yeah. Next week's question. Does that question? sound better? No. Next week's question. Yeah. I, I, I've got a feeling you might like this one. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had that feeling. I'm in touch with all of my feelings. <laughs> all two of them. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, I don't listen to advice. <laughs> So I can't remember any. Actually, I do. Actually, I do have one. The <laughs> 2005, the last time I listened to advice. <laughs> uh, when I was living in Brisbane, the, the pastor there, Leon, he said to me one day, Josh, don't take it personal, even when it is personal. <laughs> wow. I was like, and that is, I, I think I've thought about that piece of advice oh, so, so often. So that's my, that's my gold nugget. Yeah. Great advice. You Shout out to um, Leon. Should have seen if he embodied it and just told him that was useless. <laughs> See how he felt. Wow. See what he did. See what he did. Um, I'm not going to give the best advice because it's deep and meaningful and it kind of ruins the tone of this conversation. I'll give like um, mid-level good advice. I was I was told uh, when I was much younger, in my twenties, to always assume the best, and um, that has been very very helpful to always assume the best of people sorry assume the best of people so don't think you know their motives don't think you know why they're doing what they're doing just always assume the best I can imagine that's pretty challenging Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you imagine correct (laughs) your imagination is wild (laughs) do you you, (laughs) why do you imagine that would be difficult ah just because sometimes things are personal (laughs) (laughs) don't take it personal (laughs) Well done, Caleb. Yeah, you got can. us around the whole oh, circle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice. with that, let's dive into today's text. Today's reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13, the English Standard Version. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers and sisters, In all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? 
as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. It's a beautiful portion of scripture as Paul almost ends his thought that we've been having the conversation around for the past few weeks. What are you guys noticing within this piece of scripture? Well, obviously Paul had sent Timothy to them and and now they were sending Timothy back what Timothy was going back to report. And um, I think I would have, if I was a Thessalonians, I think I would have been a little bit concerned about <laughs> what Timothy, what are you going to say to Paul? And then he sends back a letter. Now, you know, they're going to find out. And he says, Timothy's um, come back and he's brought us the good report of your faith and love. And this is the mm. second time Paul's kind of mentioned the good report. Last time he was even more dramatic, saying like a report's gone out all over the world, basically. Yeah. We, don't, we don't even need to speak about it. So, you know, he's just affirming them again, affirming them. What, a, what an amazing apostle affirming them. You know, the report came back like that, you know, um, assuming the best. But Timothy has seen the best in you. He's told us about your faith and your love for the Lord. I think the part that gets me here that um, single people might understand well that, you know, if, if, you, if you know a single person that wants to get married and, and they, they may have experienced finding someone that, that they would like to pursue, but then that person doesn't want to be pursued by them. Mm. And that can be like devastating. Mm. And Paul, you know, Paul goes over here, he says... We also hear that you remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. And that's such a special, mm. you long for us, we long for you. There's a, there's a godly affection in both of us for each other. That stands out. I think, I think that is just beautiful. You know, Christians longing and loving and affectionately desiring one another. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it is beautiful. Paul, like you say, he's been thankful to God for them. He's been encouraged by them and it's been going on for three chapters now he hasn't literally said anything like uh i don't know if that's my normal operation you know just unleashing thanks (laughs) and and gratefulness you know chapter after chapter before before he gets to any kind of you know hey i want you to remember this or that it's just a a profound um i think model you know that Paul spends three chapters just affirming them and encouraging them. And I think it's, yeah, well worth noting. I think also he says uh, in verse, when he comes down to verse 9, he's been comforted again by them. He's encouraged by their faith. And now I really live that you are standing fast in the Lord. Something like, has Paul got an idolatry problem? Like, he really he really lives for this. <laughs> like, I thought we only live for Jesus, right? Yeah. His idol is that people are excelling in jesus that he's really comes alive i think that's uh, maybe that's a legit idol i don't know i'll leave that out to the our viewers <laughs> to figure it out but if you're going to have an idol that's the one you want right like yeah. people are doing well I've, i'm so excited about that and he says paul discussing his feelings says for all the joy that i feel mm-hmm. so he's like actually this has affected me mm-hmm. my uh, my joy i just have this feeling of joy um and i think that's yeah so that, that first section, yeah, is worth noting all those things. The second section obviously is prayer. Mm. Maybe we'll I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, but that's another um key moment in the in this in this in this scripture mm. portion of scripture. Mm. I, I feel like 
Paul gets a, I don't want to say a bad rap, but he, he has this image that when we approach scripture, we see, we paint a picture of Paul in a certain light. Mm. But I feel like Thessalonians thus far has blown that away. Have you guys noticed anything about that or do you want to comment on it? Yeah, I, I have noticed that as well. I think what's happening, I don't know if I can put into words exactly what's happening in my mind as, I, as I'm reading Thessalonians, but I'll try. Um, that I think, you know, I had this idea, especially, you know, Paul and Romans, it's quite well put together. It's, I mean, who, who could ever fully understand and get to the end of Romans? Was it Martin Lloyd-Jones who took nine years or something or 10 or 12 or, and never finished Romans, you know, to preach it? So you've got this like Paul's doct- doctorate in Romans, the Corinthians, you know, Paul's kind of hacking at their sin and, and helping them and rebuking them with, you know, their lack of love. And so you, so you start forming these ideas of Paul being like this very strong, intellectual, um, right. powerful, you know, but then you like read this and it's like, oh my goodness, this is a guy who would be totally comfortable to be around. He'd be totally slow. He would slow down. He would have a normal conversation about your faith. He'd be. He'd talk to you one on one. He'd care about what your name is. He would want to see that you love Jesus. Like he'd want to see it in your eyes, and he'd care about that. And that would bring him joy. You know, it's like he's not just this high level, big crowds, powerful unit. He's also this like embodied picture of gentleness and kindness and mm. and and obviously you know he's just a man and he's growing but i i think that is it's like whoa paul is like way more normal and he expects mm. life to be way more normal he would make total sense in our culture and he would speak very normally yeah. in ways that would encourage very normal christians to love jesus more and more and more mm. so i'm struck by well, that i think i think it's also highlighted by the fact that the Thessalonians are longing to see him, yeah? yeah if someone's a, a brutal, like, rude man, yeah. <laughs> it's not like, hey, please come back. <laughs> yeah. um, they're, they're like, we really are wanting to – the reports come back from Timothy that they are longing to see him. And so they, the reason must be that they were built up, they were encouraged, they were edified. Um, they certainly wouldn't be desiring to see him you know if, if that wasn't the case and, and i think again he mentions that face-to-face element he says i'm praying earnestly like i'm mm. uh, i'm hyper praying and it's like i'm not just praying i'm hyper praying <laughs> that day and night that we may see each other mm. and that i might supply what is lacking in your faith i think again just highlighting that paul's desires to see them face to face and uh, he, then he attaches this to supply what is lacking mm. i think there's something about interacting with people that that they're longing for because they're wanting to see him. They they're ensuring they're going to get something from him. Yeah, and I think we rely. I guess the question is, how do we cultivate face to face ministry with people, mm. even in the church? In the church, we can just sit and and not cultivate a face to face with people. Um, we rely heavily on you know text messages, WhatsApp, email. Um, if we want to say, but when you're face to face, that's where love kind of displays itself because now when I'm face to face I have to look past your sin I have to cover your sin mm-hmm. whereas through written forms I can distance the sin between us mm-hmm. and I don't have to deal with it so I think that's kind of a 
another aspect of clo- that draws in closeness. And then he kind of from there launches into his prayer. Yeah. yeah. Also, if you mm. if you're the Thessalonians, and you think of like our church, King's Cross, and and you, then they have a shared longing. In in other words, their community is tight enough mm. and has grown enough to have a shared longing for Paul to come and. And so I think, you know, what do we as a community have a shared longing for? Hopefully we have a shared longing for the return of Christ. Hopefully we have a shared longing for people to come and uh, minister and um, impart to us uh, God's word so that we can grow and grow. You know, in other words, hopefully we have some shared longings um, that Paul can say you longed for us and we long for you. Again, I think it's, you know, it gives us picture that the Thessalonian church was quite a remarkable community of very normal Christians, but they sincerely loved God, God, loved his word or received his word and loved Paul <coughs> and his mm. companions. Yeah. It's not hard to be a healthy church, according to the Thessalonians, yeah. if you have faith and sincere love. Yeah. Mm. yeah, very good. You mentioned it earlier, Josh, just about you noticed Paul's prayer and his heart of prayer in this scripture Mm. Um, do you want to unpack that a bit further? Yeah, it seems in verse 11 he begins to just pray, now may God bring bring me to you, which he's been saying he wants to do. Now he's, you know, Satan, but God, I'm asking God to bring me face to face. But the interesting thing I found in this prayer, in chapter 1 he prays and he's giving thanks. Like, I thank God for what happened, that you guys received this as the word of God. The Holy Spirit was there, your hearts were trying. He's giving thanks for their salvation, basically. They got saved. God did it a miracle. Now he kind of prays that their hearts will be transformed. He's praying for you know sanctification or, or or heart transformation that they were bound more and more. So he's praying, God, would you increase that your that their love would increase more and more, that their hearts would be established, that in in holiness they would become more holy. So this prayer, he's gone from rejoicing to saying, God, would you transform? the hearts of the Thessalonians. And I find that amazing because he's just praised them for three chapters, like, your love is known everywhere. Like, if the whole of West Australia knew about my love, I'd feel pretty stoked, you know. Mm. <laughs> Great, everyone knows. <laughs> um, if you need any advice, come <laughs> come and see me. Paul's like, he's like no, I want, I want you to even abound more. So Paul's prayer of um, that they, they would be sanctified. And then I guess the other thing I'm noticing in that prayer is how he links it to the return of Jesus. He's saying that, you know, you you become holy um, before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus, together with all His saints. So He's pointing them that the return of Jesus somehow should have an effect on their walk here and now, their sanctification, which is often people talking about the return of Jesus on uh, not uh, more of interested in all sorts of theories about how Jesus is going to come back, but not not much applications going on right now. I think Paul just kind of says, well, if if the return of Jesus is not affecting your you now, you're doing it wrong in some way. Yeah. <laughs> you're thinking of it wrong. Paul links here, when you think about the coming of Jesus, um, it's because you should be coming, becoming more and more holy. Yeah, yeah It's beautiful. a wonderful prayer, that prayer. What are you noticing, Mark, about in Paul's prayer? Yeah, I think I just, I do agree with what Josh has said. Um, I think it's maybe just the question where he says, Basically, if we turn what he says into a question, how could we establish our hearts as blameless in holiness before God our Father Mm. when Jesus returns? 
often I think the immediate thing I would think of is would be moral. Um, how can I, uh, you know, and, and I would forget that he said your heart says, uh, establish your heart says blameless. So the center of all your affections and thoughts and feelings and the center of you, the person. And he doesn't do that. So, so the the answer to the question how how can we establish um, or how how can God sorry how does God establish our hearts as blameless in holiness before Him when Christ returns? Paul says is through the increase and the abounding of your love for one another and for all. Love is immensely practical. Um, yeah. I, I when I read Paul now, it he just makes me want to love more and more. That's my deep desire is to love more and more. Uh, I, I'm so, I feel so impatient and so dissatisfied with how small my love is. When I look at what Paul's writing, it's like, man, there is so much more and it's so fruitful and it's so practical and it's so beneficial and it changes everything. Um, there's a real deep desire to grow in the love of others. I love how um, that question almost increase and abound in love for one another. Like you think that's the ceiling is like one another and then Paul takes it one step further yeah. and for all as we do for you. Yeah, it's such a great metric for a healthy church as well. I mm-hmm. think maybe you said that a couple Sundays ago, Mark, in, in when you opened 1 Thessalonians. But what is a healthy church? Well, it must look, have A, B, C, D and this theology and that theology. And Paul's kind of main metric is is love abounding. Yeah, are people being? That's what he's kind of putting all his stock in to multiply the gospel, to grow the gospel, to change hearts. It's like people abounding more and more in love, and in some ways, it's so simple. Yeah, um, and yet also so challenging. Like, yeah, is, can we make that the yeah. uh, like a key thing that we are just? This is what Paul's praying. I want you to abound more and more in love. Yeah, very good. <laughs> In closing, what's an encouragement that we can have from the scripture going into this week? Yeah, I think how how abounds you <laughs> is a great question. Right? How how do I abound? And taking that with us as like God help me to abound more and more in love. Help me to love those around me directly. I know my wife often says, uh, "You just wake up in the morning and you." love who's God's got in front of you that day and that's very very powerful actually because it's uh, in one way it's so simple but it's so transformative and to ask your heart that very question how can I love those who are in front of me today it's very helpful I think um, I'm disappointing myself constantly with love as as and I think that's norm, the normal way you know God shows you something to grow in and then you just notice how bad you are at it so that as Paul said Praying, not only is Paul praying for them, but he puts no burden on them. He says, I'm praying that he may help you to abound. So will we disappoint ourselves? Absolutely. So when you disappoint yourself today or tomorrow and you determine to wake up and to love the people in front of you and you disappoint yourself because you're not perfect and your love isn't perfect, pray for yourself. Pray for each other. Pray for others that he may cause us to abound in love for one another and that he may complete complete the work that he's begun. Let us become aware and dissatisfied with our low level of love, not to turn inward, but to rather turn outward, and to pray that God would help to cause us to abound. Thanks for joining us today. 
To learn more, head over to perthchurch.com.au where you can find sermon resources that dive deeper into these conversations. If you found this conversation helpful, we would love you to leave a review and share it with your family and friends. Thank you.